Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and I'm so excited to welcome a guest with me today on the podcast. We're going to be talking to Amy Jo Mathias, and she's going to be helping us understand how we can move from feeling lots of fear, lack, and separation in our lives to embracing more love, abundance, and unity. I'm really excited for this conversation. Everybody, please welcome Amy Jo to the show. Amy Jo, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, thank you. This is great to be here and happy to be talking to all of your incredible listeners all around the world. This is very exciting for me. I am currently a CEO of an executive leadership coaching company in San Francisco. It's been quite a journey getting to this place, which has included, I've been an ordained Lutheran pastor for 15 years. I'm a biblical scholar. I was a university professor teaching ethics and a religion and really the impact that religion has on us and how we see the world and how we interact. And I was also lucky enough to have been a member of the Clinton administration the first time around. So I have the strange, because <laughs> it was a really strange experience of being in the government. And then I've also led nonprofit organizations in the international development world and so have had also really the blessing of traveling all over Africa. So I'm taking all of what I've learned over all of those diverse areas of interacting with humans and including with my family. (laughs) I'm married and I have three kids and all of that history and experience and learning and honing that and harnessing that into this very simple construct that you led with, which is the belief that the world that we live in and all of the foundations that shape our society from how we do business to how we do government, to how we do religion, to education, to parenting, and to understanding what it means to be a family. All of that has been built in and through the energies of fear, lack, and separation. And I think that this last year and now 2021, like is really showing us that. It's really like clear to us as we look at the events in the United States, but all around the world as well. I was just gonna ask you, can you give me some examples of like how that manifests at home with families, maybe in your parenting or in interactions with your partner? Like what does that look like? What is fear, lack, and separation or the mindset of those? What do they look like 
in action in our homes. Yeah. Well, the lack drives everything, right? Lack is the story of scarcity. There's not enough. There's not enough time. And you can all imagine that, right? There's not enough time. I don't have enough time. There's not enough time to do everything we need to do, which leads to fear, which is like, <gasps> how am I going to get it all done? Am I going to be a good enough parent? Am I doing enough? I, there's not enough that I can do for my kids. There's not enough I can do for my partner. There's not um, enough of me to go around. There's not enough of me to go around. Mm -hmm. And the other flip side of there's not enough is I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a good enough fill in the blank partner, parent, you know, participating parent in the schools or whatever it is. Like I'm not enough. I don't do enough. And that leads to anxiety can lead to, you know, depression can lead to high levels of stress, yeah. which all those iterations of fear always lead to separation. And mm. so the separation is like, I separate myself from my partner. There gets to be blocks between me and my kids, between me and me. Like I block myself from my own desires. Like, do I even want to participate in my kid's school? <laughs> like, do mm. I even, like, what are my true desires about how I want to show up in the role that I play in my family? And the more we operate from the story of scarcity, which I absolutely believe we've all been taught is the true story. You know, there's not enough. Mm -hmm. There's not enough to go around. That's Money another way it shows stuff. Money doesn't grow on trees. You know, yes. there's finite resources. There's, you know. Yep. Yes, it's everywhere. You know, and when this episode comes out the week before, we will have dug in really deep into scarcity and abundance. Oh, and so perfect. I'm excited to be continuing this conversation here. Okay, so, you know, I see fear playing out with the parents that I work with all the time. They let fear drive the ship in their parenting, you know, looking at, you know, if I don't do it this way, they'll grow up to be ungrateful or disrespectful, you know, or if I do it this way, then how will they ever learn this? You know, there's so much fear. And I think you're so right that this year, this past year, especially as we come up to kind of the one year anniversary of having been locked down, shut down, yeah. I think we can all agree that, especially in terms of separation, we are as a human species are not meant to be separated, right? Our nervous systems panic when we feel separated. They feel very soothed by being in connection. But these pieces of fear and lack really prevent us from being in true authentic connection with the people we love, with our purpose, you know, with ourselves. You said it so beautifully. Okay, so then what's the antidote? What do we do when we, we are waking up or becoming aware of all the ways that fear, lack and separation are playing a role in making us feel stressed, anxious, untethered, ungrounded, chaotic? What do we do? This is the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that can feel like overwhelming and, and depressing. Like, oh crap, what? Everything is built from fear, <laughs> lack, and separation. Bleh. By Burn the way, the, sh <laughs> no. the, the shorthand for fear, lack, and separation is fliss. Okay. Which is kind of fun to play with because you can talk about this is a very flissy situation or I'm flissing out right now or I'm feeling very flissy or so it, it I'm can- I'm stuck it, in fliss. <laughs> I'm stuck in fliss right now. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it can yeah, actually can be helpful that. in communication. Mm -hmm. Like my- kids and I actually use it. Like they'll ask me, like, they'll be like, well, mom, that sounds a little flissy or, you know, and it helps identify it. Right. Yeah. So late naming but, it, right. Name, name it. it. Yeah. Name absolutely. it. Exactly. And when you name it, then you have a choice when you name mm. it and see it, then you can choose to say, okay, I see it. Do I want to feed that and make it bigger? Or do I want to shift away from that? 
And here's the antidote. When you say, I want to shift away from it, then the question right is, where am I shifting to? And here's the good stuff. We are shifting to love, abundance, and unity, and all the iterations that they show up as. And the driver of those three energies is abundance, Mm -hmm. right? Which is the absolute commitment of belief that we do without question live in an abundant world, an abundant universe. There is more than enough of everything for every single creature on this gorgeous planet. There's more than enough time. There's more than enough resources. There's more than enough money. There's more than enough love. There's more than enough opportunities. You know, whatever you want to fill in the blank to, there is more than enough of it. Okay, so I could tell you were getting on a roll and I just want to like, because I, I mean, and I'm here for it, but question that just pops up to me that bubbles up and, you know, I've been working on embracing abundance for I think four years now and they're still like, okay, so how, how do we believe that? <laughs> no, everything we've right? been taught has been rooted in lack. You know, yep. how do we believe it? How do we trust it? Is there a way? Because there, are yeah, is there. Yes, there is. And the first thing is, and this is an iteration of abundance, by the way, giving yourself permission to not get there right away, right? Because mm. we are all raised in fliss. We have exercised the fear, lack, and separation muscles since we were born. Oh my so gosh. they're really, really strong, right? Yeah. It's our default. Yeah. So even the sense of like, I want to be in abundance. I want to be in it now. There's not enough time. I've got to get into abundance quickly. <laughs> You're taking a flissy attitude to getting into abundance. Oh my gosh. Yes, Yes, exactly. There is abundant time. There is plenty of time for me to make this shift. There is so much time. I have everything I need to make this shift. The shift is coming, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Keep going. And let me add to what you just said, Laura, is that love, abundance, and unity is our true origin story. We all came from and through the energies of love, abundance, and unity. That is my absolute belief. We didn't come from lack or fear or selfishness or greed or any of those things that our societal narratives tell us. We came from abundance. We came from love and we came from unity. And so the beauty of that is it's inside of us. So this process that you're talking about that we have all the time to do it in, we have all the capacity to do it in because it's in us. It's simply a process of remembering. Yeah. You know, this is one of my favorite ways to help parents remember this is to have them remember back to that very first time they laid eyes on their child. However, that child came into their lives, however, that child came into their arms. But looking at that and don't we know that? Don't we know that it's Uh true that we come into this world with everything? We come into this world with complete worthiness, complete enoughness. You know, and it's so hard, I think, for us sometimes as adults to reconcile the fact that if that was true for our children when they came into this world, then how could it not be true for us? Right. It it had to have been because we were that baby in a loving parent's arms at one point. Right. Regardless of what happened after. But that first time, that first moment when you're held in those arms, you had everything within you. That doesn't go away. Right. And I just want to make a quick add here is that, um, you know, adoption is big in my family, my family of origin, lots and lots of beautiful adopted brothers and sisters and nephews and nieces. And it doesn't matter 
if you were held in the arms of a social service agent or a nurse or your actual biological parent, your value and your worth was nonetheless, right? So every single birth of every single child is through and in those energies of love, abundance, and unity. And so what that means and what I heard you just saying is that never stops being true. And the thing is like, it never stops being true, even though we might make choices that we feel are, you know, quote unquote, bad, or that we get punished for, or we seem to be others sit in judgment, or we sit in judgment of Mm -hmm. ourselves. Because the flissy stories and the narratives that come through that, that create separation, Mm -hmm. teach us how to judge. And they teach us how to judge ourselves and each other which creates more fear, lack, and separation Mm -hmm. and moves us farther and farther away from that beautiful truth that we are absolutely valuable and worthy just because we exist. Mm -hmm. And that worth is not tied to performance. Mm -hmm. It exists no matter what. I try to remember this all the time, not just in my coaching and counseling, but also, you know, with my own family. Of course. And with myself. I mean, we all got those messages growing up that somehow our actions, our behaviors made us more or less worthy, right? We all got those messages growing up. And, you know, as conscious as we all try to be, and, you know, we still sometimes inadvertently give those messages to our kids too. And then we get to repair and clarify and circle back and make sure that they understand that there's nothing they could do that would that would make them any more or less worthy of love, you know, but I mean, it's there, we're embedded in it. So I feel like you have some wisdom to share on this piece. You've said the word story a few times, and I kind of want to know, like, so how does the stories that we tell ourselves, the narratives that we have about ourselves, how does it play in a role in how we show up in the world? And how can we harness our natural kind of narrative ability, our ability to live through stories, how can we harness that to shift more fully into love, abundance, and unity? I'd love to chat about that a little bit if we can. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, because I believe that, you know, we are creatures of story and that's how we communicate. We tell each other stories all the time when we're telling our partners how our day went or our kids are telling us something that happened and we're telling them it's all story, right? We're creating. Right. Or um, when we're making meaning of what happened. When we're absolutely. Even, like, just when we're thinking about something that happened and we make it mean something, we're telling ourselves a story. Yep, exactly. And those stories create reality, right? (laughs) When the stories that we tell create the reality of the world that we live in, which is, if you say that to yourself again, you realize, whoa, I'm powerful. Yeah, right? Super powerful. Super powerful. The stories I tell and the words and the language I use to tell them, how I approach that like you were saying, Laura, the meaning that I attach to what occurs in how I tell the story, that actually creates the reality that I live in and that I experience. Yeah, the stories um, I tell create the reality I live in. Oof, we are right? powerful, right? We are powerful. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I have this construct that I use with my clients and I've used it with my family and with my individual private clients as well for over a decade. I actually used it with my students in class too. And it's this idea that we all have a metaphorical narrative closet. And in this closet is all of the stories and narratives that we've been given since we were born. And these stories are given to us first by those beloved beings who took us home, 
right? When we were born and raised us. And then that circle expands, right? You know, teachers, coaches, religious leaders, friends, Mm -hmm. friends, parents, you know, and then it expands to political folks, entertainment, you know, culture, media, culture, media, literature, like all of that. And it even expands to policies, right? Law, all of that informs how we see the world, what we think is possible, not possible, what we think is right or wrong, good or bad, who we think is right and wrong, good and bad. And those stories, we put them on every day like we would clothing, right? And we're pretty unconscious about it. Most of us don't know we have a narrative closet. What we believe is the way I see the world is the right way. It's the way, right? And even if I don't like it, even if the story that I put on is too tight for me. It doesn't fit me anymore. And it's like, it's like squeezing me and it's, oh God, it's so uncomfortable. I still put it on because I think it's the only way. Yeah. Or if the story is like way too heavy and too big, or it covers me up and I can't be seen when I wear this story, we still put it on because we think it's the way. Mm-hmm. So the first step toward liberation and freedom is seeing that you have a narrative closet. Noticing. And and you can see it without judgment too, right? Because there's Mm. no judgment in any of this, not even for our parents and our parents' parents who gave us these stories because they were all, as we have been, raised in bliss. And so we come by these stories honestly, if you will. And so there's, we can observe it, which is benign, right? And Mm. neutral. And that, and seeing it, oh, I have this closet full of stories. And then asking the question, huh, I wonder what my stories are. And I wonder how they show up in my life. And I wonder how they inform my parenting. Huh. And for me, one of the questions has been, what stories am I giving my kids? (laughs) Yeah. Right? And what stories do I not want to give them? Okay. I'm loving everything you're saying. And so then when you said that, what story am I giving my kids? My mind, and I know lots of minds of the folks who are listening immediately went into fliss. They immediately went into fear. (laughs) Okay. I'm screwing up my kids. I'm going to ruin my kids. I'm going to give all of this to my kids. And so like in that moment, because I felt it happen in me. And this is again, I work on my mindset all the time as a part of my job, as a part of my, you know, Mm -hmm. so I saw it happen. I noticed it. And so now I'm asking you, okay, so when we notice it, we know like we went to fear right there. We went to fear. What do we do? How do we call ourselves back into abundance, unity, and love right then? That's beautiful. Awesome question. And great awareness. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you would think after, you know, 10 years of working on awareness. It's a practice. Of course it is. Yes. It's a complete practice. Absolutely. Everybody knows that we talk about that we're we're never done with any of this. It's ongoing always. always. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So great. What do you do when you notice it? Oh, I'm in fear right there. And the fear is I'm giving my kids stories that are going to screw them up. Let's just say that's the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's one of the biggest fears that parents come to me with. Somehow I'm going to screw up my kids the way that my parents screwed me up. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Absolutely. One of the biggest fears. Absolutely. Okay. So we recognize that that story is coming from lack, right? I don't have enough awareness, enough capacity, enough something to not screw my kids up the way my parents screwed me up, right? I'm screwed up. You know, I mean, I think that that's like at the core of it is that I'm screwed up. How can I possibly not screw up my kids? Right. You know, and of course that's all rooted in lack. Right. That's rooted in like lack of the assumption that, nope, I'm an inherently worthy and good being. Right. Yeah. So when you notice the fliss, 
The first thing to do is to celebrate that you noticed it. Yeah. Okay. I see you. Like you, literally I give these narrative, these dialogues to my clients. All right. I see you, Fliss. I see that story. <laughs> right? And here's the thing, right? We go into these stories through triggers. Like you just got triggered when I asked you, what story am I giving my kids? Whoosh! Yeah. Oh crap. Maybe I'm giving my kids stories because I'm screwed up. And when we do that, it's because our egos, right? Have learned to try to protect us and keep us safe yeah. by saying, alert, 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 Laura, 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 protect yourself, protect yourself, you know, get defensive, get whatever, because you're not enough and you don't want to be found out and you might screw up your kid. Like that's our egos trying to come to, to our rescue, right? So it's just that they've learned the wrong way to protect us. Yeah. Over the years, right. Yeah. And so what we can do when we recognize the fliss is seriously be like, okay, I see you. I see that story that says I'm a screw up. So I'm going to screw my kids up like I was screwed up. And I thank you, Ego, for helping me see that old story. I don't need it anymore. I got this. I'm not going to feed that story anymore. I'm choosing to feed a new story, which is I am valuable and worthy and full of enough, more than enough to love my kids. And that's enough. Yeah. Okay. Because I love it, what you're saying. Um, I just want to let everybody know who's listening, who's like, oh, I want to find out more about like what my triggers are telling me. I do have episode seven of this podcast. You can go back and listen to it again, where I dive deep into trauma theory and the truth about triggers, trauma and unconditional love. So listeners, if you want more on that, listen to that episode. It's life changing. But yes, Amy Jo. So I love this talking back to our triggers, talking back to our fliss thoughts, these narratives that we have. I think it can be sometimes really helpful to meet them with gratitude and love to meet them with compassion, with abundance for having served me for so long. You've kept me safe. You've played a really big role. And I've got this now. Now we're going to think this way. <laughs> we're gonna right. Think and I guess, I mean, gratitude for sure. And I would even say like, because the triggers, and I'm sure you talk about this in that episode that you were directing your listeners to, is the triggers show up in our body, mm -hmm. right? So you know, nervous tummy, a wave of heat across us, a tight chest, we break out in sweat or whatever. And those triggers actually are associated with specific stories, right? So bringing awareness to your somatic indicators of the stories also increases our ability to um, catch ourselves before we spin down into the story. Yeah. And so expressing gratitude to the ego, also gratitude to the body. Thank you, body, for alerting me that this trigger is coming and I'm gonna be able to see the old story early before it like gets me in its grasp. And I guess I would say like the perception of safety, like I, when I'm in gratitude to the old stories, like, you know, I have perceived that you've kept me safe up until now. And now I'm gonna shift yeah. over here to the authentic grounding of my power, Yeah. right? True safety. Um, yeah. And I mean, and this safety. is all the attack, like, you know, I think assuming benevolent intent of our parts of the yeah. parts of our stories, you know, I think is so important because I, I do think that they can get really nervous, like our stories, our narratives can like when they have the sense like, oh, somebody is going to get rid of us, you know, they can get super <laughs> yeah, nervous totally. about that, like, yeah. and then 
they yeah. they dig their claws in even more. So even just kind yeah. of assuming positive intent, like I know you had my best interest at heart. Totally. And at the same time, it also isn't serving us anymore. You know, it, this was your attempt to keep yeah. us safe. And in reality, we need this to keep us safe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And just using any dialogue that's in your words, Absolutely. however you want to talk to your old stories, do so with gratitude and with, like you were just saying, acknowledgement yeah. that its intent was to protect me. And now we're moving over here to where I'm really going to be empowered and safe in my own authentic essence. That's yeah. going to be driving it, right? And this all I seems want... so cumbersome right now. You know, like when you're first starting this out, it's a lot like to learn how to have these conversations with yourselves and with your stories. I don't know if it was for you when you first started, like the noticing is hard and then you start noticing and you have these conversations and it can seem so cumbersome. But once you've practiced for a while, it gets faster. I don't know if you have experienced that. Yeah. It's I mean, normal again... for it to feel cumbersome at first. And clunky. Clunky. And yeah. awkward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, totally. Like you might be crazy because you're talking to yourself. You yeah, know, exactly. Like really like I'm going to bow to my body and say thank you. Really? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I always tell folks like there's no one right way to do it. Mm. Right? The practice is simply to do it and to do it in a way that's authentic to you. Yeah. And again, here's the abundance. Give yourself tons of permission and room and spaciousness to learn and relearn and remember how to do this. And there's no timeline. It's simply, like I say, it's it's like getting ready to run like a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon or something. You're training. You're training your muscles. You're training your muscle memory. You're training, you know, breathing techniques. Your whole person is involved in this retelling of stories. Yeah. And so... Give yourself all kinds of space. And the other thing I've been wanting to say way back when you were talking about fear showing up in parenting and I'm going to grow up my kids and, you know, Fliss convinces us, well, has just told us that the truth is there's a right way and a wrong way. Mm -hmm. And if you do it the wrong way, you're going to screw up. If you do it the right way, you're going to have great kids. And that's a lie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely a lie. Absolutely. So one easy identifier for Fliss is duality. If you're in a situation where you're like, there's only a right way and a wrong way for this to happen, or there's only, it's this or it's this, right? It's, yeah, it's black one or and white two. thinking. Black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking. When you're in that, you know you are in fear, lack, and separation. Mm -hmm. It's such a helpful alarm because it's quite easy to see right? So if you're in a situation with your child or your partner and you feel like you're like, well, it's either this or it's this, like let yourself be like, oh, wait, that means I'm in fliss. Okay. Then you ask the question, do I want to keep feeding the fliss monster? Do I want fear, lack, and separation to get bigger here? And usually the answer is no, right? Yeah. Um, so no, I don't. Okay. Then the question is, what is the third, fourth, or fifth way in this situation? Mm. Because love, abundance, and unity there's always, 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 always more than two ways. There's never yeah. just one right way or one wrong way. There's always a multitude of paths that we can find that leads to our increase for all, you know, that yeah. leads to expansion, that leads to spaciousness, that leads to accountability and clarity. All of those things that I was just talking about, those are all iterations of love, abundance, and unity, right? Yeah. Some good questions I ask myself in moments like that where I catch myself. I ask what else could be true here? What else could this mean? 
you know, what are some alternatives that, you know, this could mean? Because oftentimes when I catch myself, and I don't know if the parents are listening are the same, but I think things about myself or my kid, you know, she's always going to be this way. She never listens to me. You know, she doesn't do this. I must be a bad mom, you know, like those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And just simply asking like, well, is there anything else that could be true here? (laughs) Like, is there anything else that this could mean? Often help me see that I'm in black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking or in bliss, this new term that we have. Yeah. And let me ask or add two other things. Um, One is Fliss also teaches us of the story of hard, like that everything, it's going to be hard to do this, or it has to be hard. If I'm going to be a good parent, I have to try really hard. I have to work really hard. Parenting Um, is hard. Yeah. And what if that's just a story? And Mm. actually we have the capacity to invite in ease and grace and flow. And the way I have been working with that in my own life, in my business, as well as, I mean, by building my business, but also in my parenting and in my relationship with my partner is three ways. One is if I'm doing something or if I'm in a conversation or if I'm in a situation in a relationship that feels hard, like, oh, this is so hard, which I've recently experienced with my 18 year old twin daughters, just kind of (laughs) constant, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Woo, was right. There was just like this ongoing, like we were hitting heads like all the time. And just recently over the holiday break and finally asking myself the question, okay, this feels really hard. Oh, it feels hard. Okay. Do I need to do this? That's the question first. When you first mm-hmm. identify that something feels hard, do I actually need to do this? And in this case with my daughters, it was, do I actually need to be calling them out all the time when their moods are rude and snippy. Like, do I have to actually do that? Because my story was, if I don't parent them even now that way, then they're going to go out there and they're going to be rude little brats. Yeah, yeah. If I don't hold them accountable right now for speaking yes. to me this way, then they're going to think it's okay and they're going to go out and do this in the world, right? Exactly. And then I will have failed in my job as yep. a mom and people will think bad things about me and think I'm like, I'm a terrible parent. Like, oh, we go yep. so far. Our story is just a yep. So fast. And the other story that I had with that, Laura, too, was, and I'm not going to have a good relationship with my daughters. Mm. I can either choose to have a good relationship with them and so ignore their snippy attitudes when they have it, or I can be a good parent and have to confront it all the time. And so the answer that I gave myself when I asked, do I actually need to do this was like, oh, maybe not. Mm. Maybe I don't have to talk about it with them every single time. Oh, And that felt like freedom to me. I was like, oh. Mm. And then the other question is, if the answer to the question, do I have to do this hard thing? If the answer is yes, then the question is, okay, energies of love, abundance, and unity, show me how to do this easily. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Or gracefully, right? Mm -hmm. And so both of those actually, because the other answer I had to myself was, yeah, you kind of do need to keep parenting them. You can't just like walk away every time. And so I had a both and there, right? Like, yeah, the both and is so magical. (laughs) Right, it is. And so what I did was I like, I released the need to do it right away all the time. And here, listen for the abundance. I created spaciousness with that and allowance for them to feel how they're feeling in the moment that they feel it. And then when they were in a different place, talk to them about it. Hey, remember earlier today when we were in the kitchen and you snapped at me because I asked you how you were? (laughs) You know, I experienced that as 
cutting me off or whatever the experience was. And then we were able to have conversations, but it changed the entire energy of Mm -hmm. my relationship with them. And I realized too, that I was practicing wow or love, abundance, and unity in actually letting go of my need to like, you know, parent all the time. Mm-hmm. And that actually that was more effective. Mm-hmm. It was more impactful. And it was so much easier than battling all the time. Yeah. I really love that question. Love, abundance, and unity. Show me how I can make this a little bit easier. I really liked that question. You know, it's one of the questions that I ask myself when I catch myself in moments like this with my daughter, I ask myself, okay, so what would the wisest, most compassionate part of me do or say right now? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the same question. I mean, yeah. I love teaching parents different modalities, different language, different options for doing this important work. So thank you so much for teaching this method to us. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. I really do. I thank you so much for your time and teaching us about these things and having this conversation with me. And this last example of yours, I think will be really helpful because even though you're talking about 18 year olds, I always think that kids who are in the two to five range are very similar to teenagers. I mean, their brains... Uh, yeah. The only time that the <laughs> brains are growing at similar rates, you know, and so that mm-hmm. same principle applies to the three-year-old who says, I want fruit sex now, mommy, you know, like, right. do we have to correct their tone every time? Like, do we have to demand please every time before we give the fruit snacks? Like, what would love, unity, and abundance say right then? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a great, you know, and this applies with our partners too. Like I can see the way that fear, lack, and separation influence my relationship with my husband and mm-hmm. how, yeah, it was really helpful. Thank you so much, Amy. Oh, you're, you're so welcome. I mean, the, one of the reasons I really am so passionate speaking about, really preaching about love, abundance, and unity, and fear, lack, and separation is because it is so accessible and simple. It's easy. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your religion. It doesn't matter your belief system. It doesn't matter your political affiliation. It doesn't even matter if you're literate. Anyone, any creature can access love, abundance, and unity and fear, lack, and separation. And it's simply a process of increasing our awareness and choosing to practice building the muscle of how love, abundance, and unity show up in this situation. And just the act of naming Fliss, seeing it, saying, I don't really wanna feed you anymore. And then choosing to shift to love, abundance, and unity and asking, all right, so, how does love abundance unity show up right now? Just that process is enough to begin the powerful transformational energies away from fliss and into Lao, even if you don't have the quote unquote answer right away, mm-hmm. right? It's not about getting the answers right. It's oh, about the process, the process. of the shifting. <laughs> Yes, over and yeah. over the process. Yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Well, Amy Jo, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. I really appreciate your wisdom and your, your help today. Yeah, it was really fun and it was wonderful to be with your audience. Thank you so much, listeners. Okay, so thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review. That really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. 
And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.